Star Wars 7x7 episode 1236. Well, all I can say is ta-da! I've been predicting this one for months and it has finally come through. Within a month of the release of The Last Jedi, we have another big cover story from Entertainment Weekly. And surprise, I've got a special guest on the podcast here to talk about it. None other than the writer of that big feature cover story, EW's Anthony Bresnikan. Punch it, Chewie. Hey, I'm Anthony Bresnikan, covering the Star Wars galaxy for Entertainment Weekly, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and you might be like me in that even though the issue is on newsstands already, it ain't any newsstand around me. So I'm contenting myself with the articles on Entertainment Weekly's website, which are awesome and largely come from the material in the magazine, but there is additional material being written by Anthony Resnikin as he goes, although I'm not going to say anything more about that just yet because the time that I spent talking with him yesterday afternoon wasn't so much about the content of the articles as it was about sort of the meta of the project. And so that's what I wanted to share with you today is how a project like this comes into fruition. And I also talked to him about the way that Lucasfilm is managing information around the release of The Last Jedi this time around and as compared to how they did it with The Force Awakens and Rogue One. And I'm also talking with him about being a fan of Star Wars and how he deals with getting information like this and not necessarily even wanting to know it just from a fan perspective, but knowing he needs to know it from a professional perspective. And also knowing that there are things that he is sitting on as well that he hasn't revealed. No, he's not going to reveal any of those things in the podcast, but but he is going to reveal a feature that's coming out next week that has not been revealed anywhere else. So stay tuned for that. But Without further ado, let's hear from Anthony Bresnikin about the Last Jedi cover story in Entertainment Weekly. Anthony Bresnikin, thank you so much for joining me on Star Wars 7x7 yet again. How are you today? I'm good. It's a busy time. We have our uh, cover stories on The Last Jedi rolling out for Entertainment Weekly, so uh, I've been uh, busy managing that. Oh, really? I I had no idea that was happening. Is that... (laughs) Actually, I wanted to ask you about this because um, in November of 2015, there was, of course, a big four cover Entertainment Weekly feature on The Force Awakens. And I believe it was maybe the first week of December, there was a Rogue One feature. So was this sort of a foregone conclusion that this was going to happen? I've been talking about this since, I think, July and talking about media moments that would probably be happening in the run up to The Last Jedi's premiere. Oh, well, I'll tell you the reason for it is... uh is that it's Thanksgiving week. And uh, the goal is to get that magazine on newsstands in airports, especially uh, for the really busy, like one of the busiest travel seasons of the entire year. Gotcha. So, um, you know, the timing works out with a movie that comes out in December. You know, we've done our other The Last Jedi covers uh, in the past, Uh, but this timing works out good for us because we want to have something really big to put on the cover. Like there are a couple of points during the year where we just have sort of monster issues like Comic-Con 
you know, mm-hmm. is always a big one. And, uh, or like Oscar season, you know, there's some big ones there. And, um, start of summer, that sort of thing. And so you want, uh, you want to have something really appealing and really attractive, uh, for that cover, uh, to come out during Thanksgiving travel time. So, uh, that's why you see the star Wars stories dropping then. Like you said, you mentioned the rogue one is dated December one, right? Something like that. It was either one or two. Like it was right in the first couple of days of December. Usually like the date on the cover is, is like a week before it goes on newsstands. Do you know what I mean? There's a, it's sort of like comic books that way where it'll say like July 1969 and actually comes out like in June or May. Right. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, we were always trying to target that um, that sweet spot of, of Thanksgiving with like something Star Warsy. Got it. We have it. Excellent. So, when did you start first working on this piece? Like, how how long has it been from the initial assignment to it actually hitting newsstands or hitting EW.com, Technically, because it's not on newsstands just yet. It is on newsstands now, as of as of today. Oh, okay. I thought it was not hitting until Friday for some reason. My apologies. No, that's usually how it rolls, but because of Thanksgiving, like that's why we published all the the first rollout of uh, online stories yesterday, because it was actually going to be shipped and arrive at the newsstands yesterday on Sunday. So we figure people will open them up and start, you know, posting pictures online and all that. So we kind of got to make our move, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, it's on stands now. And uh, you... Um, you know, when did, when I began working on it, like all of the interviews were conducted over the past two weeks, approximately. So the lead time on it is not nearly as, as long as people might think, considering that it's print media. Yeah, but I mean, it was also in the, planned for a long time. So, but just the actual work that went into it was more or less uh, started probably like around the middle of October, just setting up or yeah, late October, right around Halloween-ish. Gotcha. setting up interviews and uh, and then, you know, writing and reporting it. Excellent. And so considering that Star Wars movies in general are always, you know, very information controlled, but Ryan Johnson has said in interviews that they're being very careful in particular about the choices of information and imagery that they release. Like they're being very conscious about it, or at least they've talked more about being conscious about it than for previous movies. Did you find the experience of working with Lucasfilm on this particular story and on The Last Jedi in general, have you found it to be uh, different in terms of the the way information is exchanged? Um, a little bit. Maybe it's a little more restrictive. Like, you know, we definitely want to get more cool imagery. It's a, it's a fine line. You know, you don't want to spoil the movie either, but you just want more gorgeous photography to show off, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, I think certain characters are in the movie a very limited amount of time. And sometimes photos of them can give away things that they'd rather not give away. So we're not seeing a whole lot of DJ, the Benicio del Toro character, for instance, not seeing a whole ton of, uh, Admiral Holdo. I did a piece about Laura Dern and her new character, this purple haired resistance leader. And, um, you know, the in new images of her are fairly limited, but, we get some, and uh, I think yeah, they're 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 holding back a lot. Um, you know, maybe there's a little more confidence this time too that the Star Wars fans are there and don't need to be led as much. Um, you know, don't don't have to be as motivated. Uh, for instance, on Rogue One, 
first story we did in July of uh, the previous year, man, the art on it was just amazing. Like tons of these gorgeous photos of stormtroopers on the beach. And, uh, you know, but they had a movie there that they didn't, that didn't have the traditional characters in it for the most part. And um, these were all new characters, a new team, a new threat, uh, although part of a familiar story. And they, I think they really did have to kind of like sell that movie as being Star Wars. And uh, this one sells itself a little bit more, but still they got to put stuff out there and, and introduce uh, some of the casual fans to what's happening this time around. Do you think that Lucasfilm is possibly trying to lead us astray with anything that's been coming out? There's a lot of discussion about how well we're being managed as fans to the point of possibly even misdirection or uh, utter and complete misinformation. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know if they're trying to lead you astray. They might be trying to show you a cool image. Um, but they do all sorts of tricky things in the marketing for uh, you know movies like this. I mean, certainly there are scenes even that shots that aren't even in the finished film. We saw some of that with The Force Awakens, the igniting of the cross right. guard lightsaber, for instance, is one of them. Uh, the TIE fighter that rises up and faces down Jin is an entirely different one, which uh, I learned was just created for the trailer because they wow. wanted to show okay. that. <laughs> like, yeah. that's a bummer. Like, don't, I feel like that's not playing fair. I mean, if something gets cut from the movie, like, okay, mm-hmm. I guess. But, you know, I think you should show the, the movie you're going to show or, or, or tease the movie that you're going to end up showing. Do you have, of all the fan theories that you've come across, do you have any particular favorites among the most outrageous ones you've seen? Oh, I think Ray and Kylo Ren. Uh, you know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. shipping of those two. Uh, I think that might they might be really? onto something, you know? Um, yeah, I just did one of the stories I did yesterday was about Kylo Ren. And, you know, my question for those guys was, uh, can he be redeemed or does he just have right. to be destroyed? You know, what's his arc at this point? And Ryan said, well, if we're just going to say he's an evil guy and he just needs to die, that's not very interesting. Which makes me think maybe instead of Rey getting pulled to the dark side, could she possibly recruit Kylo Ren to the light side? I don't know. Yeah. That's a heavy lift. It seems so. <laughs> and it would, I mean, that's when I guess the relationship thing possibly comes in where yeah. would he do it just in general? No. But if there was some other motivation for it, it seems like that could be the case. Well, speaking of shipping people, it seems like the folks at Lucasfilm are trying to lean us into shipping uh, Finn and Ray potentially. I'm sure you've seen the new spot that has been out where they show Finn waking up in his uh, little coma box and he shouts Ray inside the pod <laughs> immediately. And the first question he has for Poe is where's Ray? Yeah. That's sort of his, uh, I've got a bad feeling about this, right? Cause then he, he said that mm-hmm. in the last movie too. Where's Ray? That, was, that led to that whole where's Ray thing for the toys. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's weird maybe, uh, but those two, they, they, they have a, a bond for sure. I think he's worried about her, but, uh, the shipping thing, I never really get into that, to be honest. Like, that's a some people are really like, well, they want so and so to date so and so. I don't root for fictional characters to to be together. Like, you you want what you want, and it's organic to the story. But, um, I'm a little more interested. Like when I when I say I think that I think Ray and Kylo Ren will at least get closer. You know what I mean? Like they will def- maybe form a kind of a, a alliance or or. A, 
or see eye to eye on something. I don't know if necessarily romance is in the cards, you know, romance was never a big thing for star Wars anyway, maybe Han and Leia, you know, that's about as far as it went. And maybe some of the Ewoks were getting it on, <laughs> but otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, no, I, no time for love, Dr. Jones. Right. I do feel <laughs> the same way about it. I'm, I'm perfectly fine if they don't um, ship anyone or if they, whatever shipping they decide to do, I'll roll with, and you know, as long as it makes sense to the story, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Um, I think, though, what's really come out of Finn's Where's Ray obsession for me is that every time we hear his line of dialogue about how he was trained to fight, but now he finally has something to fight for, you keep thinking that it may be the resistance, but I'm wondering if what he's fighting for is Ray specifically, and not necessarily from a relationship perspective, but maybe just because he believes in her somehow. I think that's a very astute reading of that is that she's his friend and he will fight for his friends and for his family. Um, I don't know that Finn, I, I know actually do know that Finn is not the resistance doesn't have his full loyalty, not the way Poe Dameron is sort of like the resistance is his top priority, you know, for Finn, it's like, he just wants to get out of this. He wants to stop fighting and that's not cowardice. It's, you know, the sub it's the, the result of being a child soldier. Like he's just done, mm-hmm. you know, he's done killing. He's done uh, killing for evil. He's done killing for good. He doesn't want to do it anymore. And, um, and Ray herself, like, you know, she's just sort of a nonpartisan, right? She's just this kid on a desert world who turns out to have some power. So the resistance isn't uh, Daisy Ridley herself said is not much to her. You know, she wants the good guys to win, but she also has other priorities. So, uh, yeah, I think you're very right that Finn maybe cares more about her than he does uh, uh, anything else. So do you find your mind spinning about all of these you know, potential storylines and and find your own speculation generating? And um, if so, you know, how do you how do you stop yourself from from going crazy over it? What do you mean by going crazy? I mean, hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. All right. Well, uh, you know, my feeling is like, uh, there's some things I don't want to know. And I probably know more. I know more than I let on. You know, that I think is what I really want to ask you quite honestly is just because I know you are a fan of the franchise. And we've talked about that previously about the uh, separation of, you know, being a fan, but still doing the, um, the honest work of reporting on it. But by the same token, you are getting information that as a fan, you would probably love to know. And yet there's got to be a line where you go, okay, well, I didn't really want to know that. And as you've just said, you probably already know more than you've let on. So I, that doesn't surprise me to say the least, but how, you know, how do you manage that as a, a fan of the franchise? Well, I mean, I guess I don't manage it. I just find <laughs> out what I have to find out. And then I'll, I'll like think, oh, that's too spoilery. It, it, these guys are pretty good about not doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. Usually it's like I'm trying to get them to coax them to tell a little bit more. And then I'll filter out anything that I think is spoil- is uh, too revealing, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I know a little bit. But I don't think it's a spoiler to know that DJ is a hacker, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um so like I can, I trust my own judgment on that and different people disagree. You know, some people say, well, you shouldn't write any of this stuff before the movie comes out. 
And my feeling is like, no, you know, if you if you don't do that, then you don't get a second movie because if you don't build awareness for this, that's that's bad for the franchise. And it's good to tantalize and intrigue people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, you just kind of live with it. This is a really fun job. So it's not like if if you if you really want to be surprised, I guess, don't do this job and then (laughs) pay the price of admission to get a ticket, you know, the night up. Mm hmm. But uh, this is a lot of fun, so I wouldn't trade it. You know, it's still kind of cool to hear this stuff when it, when it comes up. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Johnson and Mark Hamill, who have been probably the biggest proponents, along with Adam Driver, I guess, of saying, hey, don't read this, don't listen to this, don't watch this, because we want you to come in as clean as possible. Yet they're still participating in all of, yeah, all of these funny. things, too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, don't don't tell anybody if you don't want it out there. You know, <laughs> that's my feeling. Is that, you know, I, I I write about these things all the time. Different kinds of movies that have spoiler elements, and I hold back on certain stuff because I don't. It's not like it's if it's news, you got to tell it. But it just revealing a twist in a movie is not news to me. So I try to hold back and mm-hmm. you know filter that stuff out. Actually, sometimes it's more helpful to have the the filmmaker or the actor tell me what the spoiler is so that I can uh, avoid it, Mm. you know, Uh, as opposed to just sort of like blindly walking into it. Like, well, maybe this happens. This seems to set up that. And then you've kind of like tipped your hat a little too much uh, without meaning to. Right. So, um, you know, sometimes when you find out, Oh, well, this person is going to twist and they're going to be evil. Like, okay, well then I can like, I'll avoid even hinting at anything like that, you know? Mm hmm. Uh, and again, that's just a, that's not so much even to protect the subjects of the story as the viewer. I, I want to keep in mind what the, what the reader wants to know and what they don't want to know, you know? Right. And I think I understand now in my head what I meant to ask you when I was saying, you know, does it, you know, keep you, you know, how do you keep from going crazy with mm-hmm. the stuff that, you know, um, yeah, I'm thinking of situations like, for example, since you mentioned knowing that DJ is a hacker or a slicer and, um, knowing, for example, you know, pieces of information from other places like the Disney Parks exhibit about um, first order fleet transports that, you know, are controlled by Astromex with all these data codes and whatnot. And so you start wondering to yourself, oh, well, you know, is that what happens in this scene? And like, do you find yourself um, unwittingly piecing together the movie or your impression of the movie based on the based on the information, you know? Yeah, I mean, you can start to see the outline of it. Yeah, but. You know, that's life. <laughs> so how many stories did you do all together for this cover story piece? I'm still doing them. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there'll be more tomorrow. There'll be three more tomorrow and then maybe three more the day after. So, so um, yeah, so there's quite a there's quite a few. I've got to write a couple more today because what happens is I write the cover story and I do some sidebars for that. And we, um, you know, we, we, uh, we write them all up and put them out there and then, um, for the print edition. And then I take that cover story and I crack it open and I, I basically take chunks of it and begin, um, expanding on those, Mm -hmm. adding quotes and details that there wasn't room for. Like there was no room to get into the Leia Princess of Alderaan book and Amal and Holdo in the magazine. It just, you know, I had to hit, um, other had to touch other bases. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, but I'll take that section of the story and then expand it and add some of that detail in, and then we put it online. 
So, uh, you know, tomorrow we've got a whole, a whole, you know, wide world of, uh, other stories to do, <laughs> including, uh, you know, a look at, uh, uh, Supreme Leader Snoke, which I think would be kind of fun. Ah. And also break a little news. I, I can't say what it is just yet. But um and and I'm not sure it would be happy news, to be honest. Uh oh. But but um but it will be interesting to people who are invested in this world. So Is it Last Jedi related? May I ask that much? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well we'll have to stay tuned for that one. Yeah. Tomorrow morning. <laughs> All right. Very intriguing. I don't think I realized that you were, you know, writing these stories that, you know, that close to their appearance online. Um, I mean, obviously you wrote the stories for the magazine, you know, ahead of, of time for the production of the, the print magazine. But I don't think I realized that you were doing the ones that were heading to EW.com so contemporaneously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because... You know, this story came together. I finished the cover story last. Was it Monday? Yeah, Monday. The did the sidebars on Tuesday. There's tons of editing and questions on Wednesday. Then Thursday, we kind of lock it all down. Mm-hmm. Friday, there's fact checking and fine tuning, and um, and then uh you know, preparing for the rollout on Friday of, uh, that's what I spent most of Friday doing is preparing for the cover story posts for Sunday. And then, um, you know, I had a couple of posts written in advance today, like the day, day before. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, some, like I finished writing the, uh, Laura Dern story or right. And it published right when I got in touch with you, responded to your message about doing this interview. So, you know, after this, uh, I've got a couple interviews on a few other stories that aren't Star Wars mm-hmm. that I got to do, and then um, I will, I will write tomorrow's stories. <laughs> and crucially, um, one thing that you did not say mm-hmm. is anything about Lucasfilm approval. So, not to suggest that Lucasfilm would ever have necessarily editorial control over what you guys publish or not publish, but these don't get run by Lucasfilm for, for their thumbs up then, do they? No, they do not. Um, we send them to them when they're done. Mm-hmm. And we say like, hey, are you interested in tweeting this or putting it on Facebook? And then they can decide whether they like, like it and want to support it or not. Um, <laughs> but they don't. know. I mean, they know because, we, we, you know, for print, we, we said like we wanted to do a design a piece on the design of something right mm-hmm. and we had a bunch of suggestions and one, and one of my suggestions was in, in the behind the scenes video we saw this sort of cool um town car type speeder that looks like general hux is piloting right yeah yeah it looks like uh you know hitler's touring car right <laughs> this is sort of big, 1930s fascist looking vehicle yeah. and um i wanted to do that uh, they didn't go for that. And instead, we, well, we got we found out some cool stuff about the the crystal foxes, the Volptex, Volptices, and um, it's tough to say. Yes, uh, and uh, uh, that turned out to be pretty neat. So, so like we'll coordinate with them on that, and then of course, so they have to agree to pony up some art and imagery for that. 
and and uh but otherwise like yeah that's pretty much you know you bargain for photos and access really and then whatever we do with it we do but there's not like the story i'm doing tomorrow that i think is going to be newsworthy is not one uh, they cooperated in the sense that i asked ryan johnson about it and he was uh he thought it was a good idea to answer that question. You know what I mean? But it wasn't brought up by them. So there isn't much handholding there. I think they like the stories I do. Otherwise they maybe wouldn't work with me anymore. But um, I, uh, there's not a whole lot of, uh, there's no, never any like submitted for your approval. Yeah. They see it once it's published, you know, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem like we, we have a quite a level of confidence with you. And why wouldn't they? I mean, you've done spectacular work amazing. over the years, not just with them, but I mean, you know, overall in Entertainment Weekly, too. So um, oh, thanks. Well, some reporters, you know, they're not, not fun to work with. So uh, <laughs> or, or if, you, if they start getting stuff wrong, mm-hmm. I'm sure that they would be like, eh, we'll find somebody else to dance with. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so is there one particular piece that you are um, particularly you know, proud of or excited about um, coming out out of all of these? I really like to pick one. the story about Mark Hamill's first day on the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was um, really moving. Uh, not the way I wrote it, but the way he told it. <laughs> and, you know, like everybody saw that in the trailer, right? So I'm not telling you anything you don't know that right. Mar- that. Luke Skywalker walks aboard the Millennium Falcon and has a moment. My question was, what was the first day like for Mark Hamill on set? And we did something similar um, when uh, on, the, on The Force Awakens. It was like, what was uh, Luke Skywalker's first day on set? Mm-hmm. Or not Luke Skywalker, uh, Han Solo. Han Solo's, yeah. Um, you know, not the day where he got smashed by the door, but the other uh, <laughs> <laughs> First day he was there to shoot. I think that was like on day three or something. So like his first day on set, like what was what was it like? What was the mood? And it's a cool mood piece, right? And then I think we did on Rogue One at one point, like Darth Vader, the first day they shot with Darth Vader. And just sort of what that, there's always a bit of awe. I mean, you can sort of guess, but um, things you can't guess are the emotional reactions, right? Like, I mean, you can guess everybody thinks it's cool and gathers around, watch it happen. But with Mark Hamill, the thing he said that I thought was really nice was that it was like visiting walking aboard the millennium falcon was like visiting a house you used to live in when you were a kid but mm-hmm. don't live in anymore and he said all these people come up and they talk about how they mark their lives by star wars like i met my wife in line for this movie and then we were married by the time this movie came out and then we had kids by the time this one came out and um i think um he's he said like i realized you know I'm, i mark my life by star wars too and uh, it was kind of emotional for me to, to go back and see it. And you think about how much time has passed and who's no longer with you. And um, yeah, I thought that was really sweet. So I like the emotional stories because Star Wars means a lot to me. It's a big part of my life growing up. It's a big part of my kids' lives and the stuff we do. It's a big part of how I make a living. So, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I like it. I care about it a lot. And so I like when there's an emotional story. I also like the, I like the Kelly Marie trans story I did where she talked about um, getting the job after all these years of hard work and hustling to, you know, audition to audition and callback to callback and trying to get a commercial and trying to get a guest spot on trying to do a skit on late night TV. And 
web series and then finally you land this role and you're the lead of star wars and she had to go back to her day job where she worked as a sort of secretary or assistant mm -hmm. and they were like don't tell anybody you got to just keep going to work <laughs> and so like i imagine she developed an epic case of senioritis on the job because right. she knows she's headed to the galaxy far far away you know i'm sure they were like did you file your tbs reports and yep. she was like I'm not that <laughs> um but uh but, uh, you know, she had to continue to work. And I just think that's like the funniest thing is like every time she answered the phone, I just imagined she wanted to scream like, I'm in Star Wars. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, that was a fun piece to do. <laughs> and even the, you know, the guidance that just you personally have tweeted around sharing that story. Just if you have a dream, stick with it. And I'm paraphrasing your tweeting, but um <laughs> Yeah, no matter what it is, like she was ready to quit and she did it for a long time and it wasn't working out. And, mm -hmm. and you know, she's Rose Tico, man. Yeah, and being able like to that. share those messages with people is a really awesome quality of your job as well. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, I am so grateful that you took the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me today, Anthony. Thank you again so much for all the work you do, not just on behalf of Star Wars fans, but on behalf of uh, fandom fans in general in this great big world of ours. Oh, I'm glad you feel that way. You know, uh, it's, it's a fun job and I'm glad if people are happy with the work. So uh, thank you. All right, that was my conversation with Anthony Bereznikin from Entertainment Weekly. And I know I promised you at the top of the episode a reveal about a series coming out next week from Entertainment Weekly that hasn't been announced anywhere else. And I'm going to share that with you after the break. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Nissan and their Master the Drive sweepstakes going on now through November 27th. You can enter for the chance to win your own personalized ride inspired by Star Wars The Last Jedi. Plus, you and three friends could get tickets to the opening night screening of The Last Jedi at the world-famous El Capitan Theater in Los Angeles. And, and a limited edition Executioner Trooper collectible helmet. All you have to do to enter is go to NissanUSA.com slash Star Wars to customize a Star Wars inspired Nissan vehicle. Again, that's NissanUSA.com slash Star Wars to enter. And last but not least, here are the legal details. Deep breath. Here we go. <gasps> No purchase necessary. Contest ends November 27, 2017. You must be 18 years or older to enter. It's for residents of the 50 U.S. states and Washington, D.C. only. Entries, rules, and odds are at NissanUSA.com slash Star Wars, and it's void where prohibited. Welcome back. All right, so here's the funny story how this came about. So as I was recording this episode with Anthony Bresnikin yesterday, we had to pause a couple of times at Anthony's suggestion because on his side of the line, he was being subjected to the tender mercies of a passing garbage truck. And apparently this garbage truck, you know, one pass wasn't enough. So anyway, during one of the downtimes that we were waiting for it to pass, we got to chatting about video on the Entertainment Weekly website and about how they're asking their writers to do more video stuff for the website. And Anthony shared with me a thing about a new video series that he's going to be doing next week. And I thought it sounded wicked cool. So I asked him if I could share that with Star Wars 7x7 listeners. And he said, yeah, of course, which was even more awesome. So here is Anthony Bresnikin, possibly with a garbage truck beeping in the background, talking about the video series that's going to be coming to Entertainment Weekly next week related to The Last Jedi. Like I have a whole series of videos for next week that's... Uh 
you know, we, we call them like secrets of Star Wars, right? So you just basically take a droid or a vehicle or a creature and you break down everything about it that's kind of cool or interesting, you know, from the design to what it does within the lore to, um, you know, um, kind of the inspirations that they take from previous Star Wars uh, machines or in, or aliens or uh, what have you. So, uh, you know, I like doing those because then you can, you know, I'll get the model and I'll hold it up and show different examples of things. That's kind of good That's use of video. That's very cool. And the series you're doing next week, is that Last Jedi related or? Yeah. So we'll look at the TIE Silencer, BB-9E, the evil BB-8. We mm-hmm. call them BB-Hate. Um, uh, the, uh, sort of junky ski speeders that they use in the battle of crate, uh, which I thought was really interesting is they made something that looks like, uh, one of those old timey flying contraptions that don't work. <laughs> and, um, that's sort of the point is to make a, a, a design that's uh, not okay. cool. And, um, then, uh, that looks, that puts the guys, the, the heroes at a disadvantage. And then, um, gosh, what's the other one? Oh, the, the, uh, Canto bite police, uh, police speeders. Those are kind of neat. They look like, like a Jack. Yeah. Game I've seen Jacks. Yeah. They're very cool. Looking yeah. very different. Little personal helicopters, like a Segway. So, so there you have it coming soon to entertainment weekly's website, EW.com or follow Anthony Bresnikan on Twitter. He is at Bresnikan B R E Z N I C A N and I'm sure he will be tweeting out the links for those videos. And heck, I will too. So <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you pick up another pathetic life form, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you like what you've been hearing, support the podcast at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a pod race bet, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.